Hey, welcome to the Noble Wise Men podcast, where anything is possible all through Christ. I'm your host, Kevin Leon, and I'm just an ordinary guy whose life was transformed by someone truly extraordinary. I believe that no one is too far gone, and it's never too late to start changing our thoughts and our behaviors for the better. The Noble Wise Men podcast is a Christian podcast founded to help young men in the pursuit of truth, virtue, values, morals, mindsets, and perspectives. We release new episodes every Monday, and you can visit us on our website at www.noblewisemen.com. There, you'll see all of our social media, so you can subscribe and not miss out on any of our content. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode, where I'll be going over worshiping the Lord in confidence. Let's get right into it. The big question is, what is worship? How can you define it? What does it mean? How do we worship just, I guess, things in general, but how we worship God? We've talked about idol worship a couple episodes ago, and we talked about how that affects us in our lives and how that happens, whether we realize it or not. But this episode is going to be all about worshiping the Lord, the living, true God. How is it that we worship him? How can we worship him? And how can we do it? in confidence. And worship, according to Merriam-Webster, is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Typically in a church setting, when we talk about worship, it's usually in the devotion aspect of it. It's usually when we're singing songs to the Lord, when we're praising Him, when we're saying thank you, and it's mostly a singing kind of thing. That's sort of what we're going to focus on for today's episode, is more that aspect of worship. Obviously, there's the respect part. Obviously, there's the honor that goes into worshiping the Lord. But this is the part that we're going to focus on. And in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, it says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So what does that mean to worship in truth? To worship in truth means to worship according to the whole counsel of God's word. It means to worship him according to the word, according to the guidelines that the Lord has set aside and set apart for us. Obviously, we can do our own types of worship, whether it's shouting, whether it's clapping. You know, there's actually a song that I sing, that I shouldn't say that I sing, but a song that we sing in my church And it's a Spanish song, but it simply translates to, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you with my voice. If I don't have my voice, I'm going to clap my hands. If I don't have hands, I'm going to stop my feet. If I I can't stop my feet, I'm going to praise you with my soul, with my spirit. And if I don't have my spirit or my soul, that means I'm, I'm already gone. I've already gone with you. And obviously translating in that kind of way, it doesn't sound like a song. It doesn't really have a nice ring to it. But it's essentially the point that is coming across from the song is that in so many different ways, we can worship the Lord. If it's not with our song, if you're self-conscious about how you sing or how you speak or whatever it is, you can still clap your hands. If you know how to play uh, play an instrument, you can play an instrument for the Lord, whether it's in the privacy of your own home, in a little private worship, or whether it's even up to serving in the church, in the house of God, in that aspect. There's so many different things that we can do to praise him and to worship him and to thank him for everything that he's done in our lives. And so... To worship in truth 
It's according to the whole council, doing things biblically and in line and in agreement with the word of God. But it also means when you come to God in truth, with a pure heart, not just a display, not just a show that you put up or a front that you put up. You know, I'm just going to be in church and I'm going to go ahead and clap my hands and do these kinds of stuff just for show because I'm here. To worship God in spirit and in truth means to do it out of the pureness of and sincerity of your heart. You're not doing it just to get a pat on the back or for others to look at you differently or to look at you as if you're a good person or holy. You're doing it to try to connect with the true living God. That is how you worship in spirit and in truth. It's not just the words that we say, the songs that we sing, you know, what we're physically doing or, or not doing, but it's our hearts that are after the Lord. That is how we worship in spirit and in truth the genuine kind of worship. And why do we worship God in this way? It's because he is so worthy to be worshiped and he is so worthy to be praised. If you truly believe what the Bible says, how Jesus died for our sins, how he was buried and he was resurrected on the third day, that he paid the penalty for our sins, that all who shall believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you truly believe that, that you've been given this amazing free gift from God of salvation, that is cause for celebration. That is, if any a reason that I could possibly think of to shout and to celebrate and to praise, that alone is reason enough. But if for whatever reason that's not enough for you, you can still think about the things that you have in your life. Believe me when I tell you, if you sit down and take the time to write down or just think about and meditate on all the blessings that you have, whether it is physical if you can breathe on your own accord, if you're not hooked up to some sort of machine, if you have all your fingers, if you have all your toes, all your limbs, if you have good health, even if you have in poor health right now, but the fact that we're living, we're breathing, that we are being maintained and sustained by the Lord, if you have loved ones, friends, family members, if you have a job, if you go to school, you can sit down and count all of your blessings. And I promise you, they're going to far outweigh and exceed in number the amount of bad things that are going on in your life. And that's not to minimize the bad things that happen. Life can be rough. Life can be very, very rough. But if you sit down and think about how good God has been to you in your life, I promise you, it won't take long before you can count them up and tally them up and see how good God is. And for that reason, he is so worthy to be praised that it's like, again, if it's for me, reason enough is salvation in Jesus, but if you still have to sit down and think about all the good things that he's done, either in your past, in your present, or the good things that he promises you for your future, it's worthy. He is worthy to be praised. And I want to read for you. I wasn't going to read the full thing, but I changed my mind. I want to read the full thing. It's Psalms chapter 145. And I think it's, let me see, it's 21 verses, which is a lot, but you can, you can still listen. It's a, a psalm of David. It's a psalm of praise to the Lord. And it talks about how worthy and how good God is to be praised. So Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty 
and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. So that is a praise, a psalm to God from David, the king of Israel. He was king over this people. And even as a king, he's recognizing, he's, mind you, he's the greatest in all the land where he's residing. He's the top dog, the highest of authority in all the land. And he still recognizes God's sovereignty. He still knows that where his goodness comes, where his help comes from, every good thing comes from up above. It comes from the living God. And he constantly praised the Lord. He constantly sang songs to God in his highs and his lows and his ups and his downs. He still sought after the Lord in every phase of his life. And it made me think, even David, as great of a man that he was, he was not ashamed or afraid to praise the Lord, his God, in front of all people and to humble himself from a king to humble himself and recognize the goodness and the sovereignty of the Lord. And it made me think about when we're in church and we're praising or we're worshiping, or I guess I should say when we're not praising and we're not worshiping, if we're keeping silent, if we're sitting still and we don't feel comfortable lifting up our hands or, or singing to the Lord. Again, if you have a bad voice and you're self-conscious and things like that, that's totally fine. But if we're uncomfortable praising and worshiping, it just made me think, how can we be afraid to praise and worship God in a place like church when we're surrounded by others who love the Lord and who believe in him and who know him? If we're afraid to worship in those places, how can we go out into the world and take a stand for Jesus? If we can't praise him and worship him publicly in a house full of fellow believers, how can we go out into the world and worship him or praise him and give him thanks and give him glory in the world when we go out to work, when we go out to school, if we're all going out to the gym or going out to a restaurant to eat, how can we glorify God in those moments if we're afraid to glorify him, to praise him, and to honor and revere him in his house? So it's one of those things where that's something that if you struggle with, I, I would say I still struggle with it sometimes, where I'm self-conscious about those around me. And it's like both sides of the spectrum, right? Am I doing too much and people are thinking I'm being holy, holy? Am I not doing enough? And I'm just like, you know, I'm not honoring God the way that I should. Sometimes I get in my own head too, but that's that's a me thing. I, I overthink a lot. But if that's something that you also struggle with, 
that's something that you should pray for. Pray to God to help you overcome that. Help you be open about your faith in him, about how much you love him, how much you care for him. Because again, if you count your blessings, he is so worthy to be praised that we should it should flow out of us naturally. It shouldn't be something that we're concerned with or afraid of, but it should come from our innermost being, that praise and that shout out and that that worship for the Lord. And speaking of King David and how as a king, he was willing to humble himself and exalt and praise the Lord. I want to read here, it's 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 20 to 22. And they say, When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And we see in these verses that David was willing to celebrate, to shout out, to dance with all his might to the point of being humiliated in his own eyes. Again, this is a king, someone who is in a high position, who is honored by those around him, who is respected, who is looked up to, and he's dancing and he's praising and he's singing out to the Lord. And he's doing it in a way that's pleasing to to the God, to him, but it's humiliating to David in his own eyes. He obviously, in his own way, he feels humiliated in a sense, but he understands that God is worthy of this praise. God is worthy of this celebration and of this thanksgiving and of this foolishness, I guess you can call it. Foolishness to those out in the world, foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the gift of God, it is the goodness of God, and it's something that we're that is worth praising and worshiping for. And so David was willing to do that. He was willing to go the extra mile and to go above and beyond in his expression and grat- gratitude to the Lord. And it made me think of how Super Bowl weekend just passed by. And this is probably an example you've heard in your own church or in churches or, or streaming services or whatever it is, wherever you may have heard sermons before in the past. This is probably an example you've heard before. But when it comes to sporting events, again, since the Super Bowl just, just passed by, people have no shame when it comes to shouting out and rooting for their team. When it comes to their Super Bowl team, their football team, their baseball team, soccer team, if you're big on sports, I'm personally not that big on sports, but whatever it is that you're into, if you have no issue acting a fool and shouting and yelling and screaming for the victory of your team, your sports team, you should have no issue shouting out and praising for the victory of our God. Because we already have the victory. The battle has already been won. It's already been settled. When Jesus paid the penalty on the cross, it is done and it is finished. We have already conquered sin and the grave because of what Jesus did for us. And it's one of those things where that should cause you to want to shout out in victory. The same way when, you're, when your team wins and you get so excited and so happy and just up here in energy, that's how you should feel when it comes to Jesus dying on the cross for you and laying it all out. We won. Our team has done it all. There's nothing that can come against. I guess you can say Team Jesus. There's nothing that can beat him. And it's one of those things that, again, 
if you have no issue shouting out and acting foolish or, or being loud and being exciting and, and, you know, cheering on for your sports team, a little hand raise on Sunday, a little singing, a little excitement shouldn't be something that you're ashamed to do in the house of the Lord. And again, that's not to say be distracting or or make others stumble or confuse others or whatever it is, but you should be able to freely express your gratitude and your love for God in his house and out in the world when you're doing your normal secular jobs, when you're out there, again, in school, in the gym, you should be able to express that gratitude and get excited for Jesus when people talk to you about it, when people ask you about it. It should be something that gets you excited and something that drives you and pushes you to share the gospel with them. And I'm also going to read here, it's from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 26, which says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So this is Jesus speaking, and he's saying, whoever is ashamed of him and his words, the things that he teaches, the things that he preaches, if you're ashamed of Jesus, he's going to be ashamed of you when it comes, when he comes again in the glory of his Father and in the glory of the holy angels. When he comes again to collect his church, if you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you. And that's not to say that you don't have a chance at salvation, but it's one of those things where there, there's nothing, and I don't want this to be misconstrued, there's nothing that you can do to separate you from the love of God and to separate you from salvation if you repent. If you don't repent, if you go ahead and live your life continually living in sin and continually um, disobeying the commands of God, you're not going to be saved, just point blank period. It's a decision that you are making to live your life separate from God and live your life in rebellion to him. But if you repent from that, it doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've gone. If you repent, God is still going to be there unchanging, waiting for you to, just like the story of the prodigal son, to put a robe on you, to put a ring on your finger and to call you back to him. If you return to him, he will return to you. And that's not to say that you can go ahead and do anything that you want to do and use that as a license, knowing that God will always take you back. It has to be from that sincere heart. It has to be in truth, not just something that you just know, oh, God will always be there whenever I'm ready to come back. No, that's not how it works. But if you've genuinely made a mistake, if you've genuinely drifted off and have left the church and have left the faith and, and, and you have had nothing to do with God for who knows how long, if you repent and you turn back to him, he is there with open arms to receive you. And that is something that no one can take away from you. Nothing in all of creation, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, height, depth, there's absolutely no thing. It is all encompassing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. And he wants you to receive salvation. He, his desire is that no one should perish. But again, again, God giving us free will, him being the gentleman that he is and his character, he's not going to force himself on you and force you into heaven and force you to have a relationship with him. You can't force anyone to love you. And with God, it's the same way. He's not going to force you to love him. It's something that you have to receive for yourself and pursue him the same way that he's already pursued you because he's already taken the first step. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. The most loving thing he did was to send his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us, that for whoever may believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He already took that step. He already did the greatest act of love 
the the biggest show you can do. If you imagine when people go and they get engaged and they try to do these big, huge gestures and they do all these different you know celebrations and they try to make this grand thing, God has already done that for you. He's made this amazing gesture, and all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes, and you will be reconciled back to Him, and you will have a relationship with Him. And it's something that if it's like if you know, you know. If you know and have experienced it, you never want to give it up. But if you don't know and then you've experienced it, it's something that you step into. And and again, you never want to let it go. And so that is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. One that is ongoing. One that is continually evolving and growing. And again, it's something as simple as deciding for yourself. Today, I'm going to make a stand. Today, I'm going to make a choice to put God before myself. Today I decide I want to be a part of your life, Lord, and I want you to be a part of mine. And that's as simple as it is. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel in a nutshell. Obviously, there's other things that come after that. There's a sanctification process. There's baptism. There's all these different kinds of things. But in terms of salvation, that's as simple as as it gets. And so when you come to that decision, when you come to the faith and you begin attending church, you begin worshiping, whether it's at your home, out and about, in public, in church, in the Lord's house, you start to worship confidently and knowing because he is so worthy of it. I don't care who's around. I don't care who's watching me. I don't care if I look like a fool. I don't care if I feel like a fool. I'm doing this for the Lord because of all that he's done for me. And you can worship in many more ways than, again, than just your voice. You can worship with your hands. You can stomp your feet. You can do a dance, right? You can worship God with your time. You can worship him in prayers. You can worship him in reading his word. There's different things that you can do to have a relationship with the Lord that is pleasing and acceptable to him, that is worshiping him, again, in that spirit and in truth. It's it's the pursuit of the Lord, seeking after him to have a relationship with him. That in itself is a form of worship. So guys, I hope this episode has blessed you. What I have to say is nowhere near as important as what God has to say. So I want to leave you off with a word from him. And that's found in Psalm chapter 150, verse 6, which says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so that's as simple as it is. Everything that has breath, let it praise the Lord because it comes from him. He's the giver and the taker of life. So guys, worship like nobody's watching. Give your heart to God unashamed. God bless you. And as always, stay holy.